What if I told you that a reputable person writer said that LSU could beat a Pac-12 all-star team? What if Pac-12 officials called pass interference and illegal contact like they did in the first half of the national championship game? Why do coaches get extensions when they're just going to leave anyway? Schools are making a mistake. Sabrina Ionescu is the GOAT of women's college basketball and what's going on in Pac-12 basketball. I'm George Reiser with Ralph Amsden and this is the Pac-12 Apostles. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Pac-12 Apostles, man. Time, we appreciate your energy. Thanks for listening. If you guys have any comments, anything, please send it to us. I'm mad. I-M-M-A-D at unafraidshow.com. This is the podcast by Pac-12 fans for Pac-12 fans where you're going to get the honesty, the real, and all of that and leave a five-star rating because you know it's going to be great. If you have anything else but five stars, just, just don't leave a rating. <laughs> but uh, Ralph, what's up, man? We just watched a great national championship game. We saw LSU, one of the greatest college football teams, I think, of all time. And then we get nonsense written about it after. <laughs> of course, man. That's how that's how it works. I've seen all sorts of nonsense on the timeline today. But before I get into that, uh, we did have a review uh, a little while back from one of our Colorado fan listeners. And I think that uh, most of his gripes about my audio issues were very warranted. Um, I, I take that type of criticism uh, seriously. So we spent a bunch of money upgrading the sound system, upgrading the audio. And so if, you, if, if you're feeling generous and you feel like you want to fix any reviews uh, that you've left before, I'm, I'm always for uh, updated uh, commentary and, and feedback as well. Um, we're, a, we're a work in progress, but we're not going anywhere. I mean, we're going to keep doing this show. So uh, people got to, you know, if, if, if they want to hear something different from us or if they if they have any criticism at all, uh, you know, uh, send it to us. You know, we'll, we're, we're not above addressing it. We're not above humbling ourselves and making sure that we put out a good product. But, um, yeah, I, I, one of the probably the biggest nonsense I saw on my timeline today was some writer for I don't know if it's the New Yorker, New York Magazine, uh, New York Times, somebody in New York who is very much uh, probably would fall under the uh, coastal elite category was mad at LSU for canceling classes for non-athletes during the national championship. And he wanted the, yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. not only that, he, he wanted the NCAA to do something about it. Let me see if I can find this tweet real quick, because it was, it was making me laugh. It was, it was like very grouchy, very like it, Oh man, get off my yeah, lawn. It was super elitist. Just looking for something to be bothered about. Like nobody complained. Nobody even got upset, so I don't understand what this dude's issue is here. Let me find it. This guy's name is Benjamin Applebaum. He said, LSU canceled all classes for everyone for two days because its football team is playing for the national championship. Obviously, LSU's professional football players aren't there for the classes, but this is some next-level stuff. If the NCAA actually cared about students, it would bar schools from engaging in this kind of nonsense, but the NCAA only cares about one thing making money so this is a pipe and hot take right and it's not <laughs> and you can you can have that attitude of like hey you know hey he's the one <laughs> you know who this dude is he's the dude if your teacher forgot to give everybody homework before the weekend the one that raises his hands as everybody's walking out the door it's like uh miss so-and-so you forgot to give us our homework and ruins it for the whole class. Like, so that's already who this guy is. So naturally, this type of tweet's just going to get on my nerves because I was trying to enjoy my enjoy my weekend and not get homework because of Mr. Applebaum. But but the idea that the NCAA has any governance over what a school does with their non-athletes is amazing. I even tweeted that said, like, this is like saying the State Department of Public Health should tell a Taco Bell franchise owner what hours to keep like that those the, the, you don't want the ncaa to have more power no thank you no thank you like it's absolutely absurd to think that the ncaa would have anything to do with a school's day-to-day operations outside of athletics it's insane 
Dude, so first of all, people who have never been to a college football game or and in New York, they don't have the same type of fan bases and and like stop everything that happens in the South that happens in college towns. Like if the universe and you have to consider the like gravity of the situation as well. LSU is playing in the national championship in New Orleans. Like it's it's not like the game was in it, at the Rose Bowl. They wouldn't have canceled classes probably for that. But the fact that it was in Louisiana, this was a huge deal not only for the university, but it was a huge deal for the state of Louisiana because I guarantee that the professors wanted to either attend or be in the right place when when they had to. You know, people who had night classes, this was a big celebration and people were going to be celebrating throughout the night, celebrating today. This was a smart move for uh, LSU. It was a smart move for, you, you know, for, for everybody. Like, let the people have their time. Like, nobody is going to go broke. Nobody is going to be harmed. In fact, people are going to be driving less drunk. People are going to just enjoy their night be happier. Everything is fine. Like we always have to find something wrong with great things in life. The state of Louisiana and the, the school did the right thing, but there are always curmudgeons and fuddy duddies around that always want to ruin the party for yeah. everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I, I mean, I, that, that was, that was the thing that, the, that annoyed me. Um, but before we get into the one that annoyed you, what, what'd you do for the game? Where, where'd you watch it from and all that stuff? Oh, ironically, see, here's what happens when you have a bunch of kids like me. My son, he had a basketball game that started at 430. And I am there. I am supportive dad. Mind you, I didn't have to go down to New Orleans for the game. So I was able to attend his game. Game started at 430. So at you know, so I don't really get a chance to watch too much of the pregame. I, I listen to it on the radio on the way out there. But during his game at like 520 when kickoff started, I had my phone in my hand trying to simultaneously watch the football game so I can speak about it intelligently and also watch my kid play who was embroiled in a in a in a barn burner versus. Oak OK, Christian. phone in front of you like. Like it would almost look like you're filming his game or phone tucked off to yes. the side like you have a pocket full of sunflower oh, no. seeds. Oh, no. Oh, no. I am not trying to be okay. coy about this. Yeah. And then and then during commercial breaks, I film his okay. game. So, yeah. So I am in a combination of that. That is the world that I was living in. And then on the way home, um, I got the phone on the like like on the little phone holder the game is on i know i'm not supposed to, it's the national championship i got like a 15 minute ride ride home thank god everybody was okay i'm sorry i hope my wife is listening <laughs> to this because we drove separately so i i last minute <laughs> bailed on my family uh, i got a call from a friend uh who actually do you know it's some separate podcast stuff with uh who's his name is chili and i watched the national championship with him last year and uh, and and I found out watching this national championship with him that he's a Trevor Lawrence hater. And the reason that he's a Trevor Lawrence hater is because I made the mistake of saying, have you seen Trevor Lawrence? He might be the best quarterback ever. And the second that I say that before he's actually had a chance to observe somebody like he always has to make his own mind up. So if you tell him that somebody or something is good before he, he's made his own mind up, he's he his reaction isn't we'll see. His reaction is probably not. Only I can be the judge of that. So <laughs> he's he's the arbiter yes. of all yes truth. Yes. Um and, which is like so we'll go out and we'll, you know, we'll look at some of these like different high school prospects together for stuff that we're we're both doing for rivals. And I'll tell him a guy is good. Um and, and, you know, he's never once taken my word for it. He always has to go and see him for himself. But then if he agrees with me, he becomes that kid's biggest advocate in, 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 in the world. But I was so adamant that Trevor Lawrence was like the chosen one that there was no way 
no way he was ever going to live up to it. So he has been a Trevor Lawrence hater um, ever since. Just and so last night I was I I I, I was you know wanting uh, LSU to win because I had picked them, but I was you know I was kind of rooting for Trevor Lawrence a little bit just to shut him up and and obviously I left his house last night um, with with him fully justified that Trevor Lawrence is not the QB goat. Um, but that definitely belongs to Joe Burrow uh, instead. Um, that kid, holy cow. That's the best season ever for a quarterback, right? I mean, that uh, statistically, yes. But, I mean, apart from all of it, he that's the best anyone's ever done. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We have to get away from, like, I, I think the conversation is going to get confused with, greatest season of all time and greatest player right. of all time. Joe Burrow had the greatest season of all time, 60 touchdowns, won the Heisman trophy, part of one of the most unstoppable offenses of all time. They averaged 48 points. That includes their conference schedule. They played Texas. Uh, and then they played the, their, their conference championship game against Georgia and then the national championship game, and they averaged 48 points on the season. Like They just didn't just play nobody and averaged 48 points. This was a legitimate thing. And that led me to the thing that like irritated me the most about, this, about the postgame coverage. And that was John Canzano who is a right he's got a radio show in Oregon and he writes for the Oregonian he's a columnist and this dude had the audacity the nerve and the unmitigated gall to say that LSU was so unbelievably good that a Pac-12 all-star team could not have beat them and i i could not have been more like i was like okay this is bait, but I took it. I mean, and, and all, granted, LSU is one of the greatest college. I think they're one of the three greatest college football teams of all time. And some people are going to argue that you, you can put 95 Nebraska in there. But I got 04 USC, 01 Miami, even though we didn't get a chance to play them at Oregon. Who knows? We, we could upset them. Uh, this 19... LSU team and then the that Nebraska team, the, the 95 Nebraska team. Those are the four greatest teams of all time, I think. And so the idea that you can't put an all-star team together to beat them is absolutely asinine. Like if if you take Oregon's offensive line, then take um and then take the Austin Jackson from USC. Maybe one of Washington, the, uh, Washington's tackle, and you put them all on the offensive line. You have the best offensive line in the entire country by far. N- nothing, nothing to talk about because you got the Outland Trophy winner, the best uh, offensive lineman in the entire country, Panesul, and you got two potential first round draft picks, and all, it's not even close. And then you put a No Benjamin or Zach Moss behind them. You have a fabulous running back. You have you put you you don't even have to take just take USC's wide wide receivers, their top three wide receivers, and then add Brandon Ayuk to it, and you have and then you have a, a receiving core at least as good as LSU's, at least probably better. And then you add, I mean, I don't even know where where to even finish with this. No, round. it's just recency bias and an overreaction in the moment. That's all it is. It's <laughs> that that's that's all it is. It's just brain chemicals, you know. Uh, the, how how many times has a guy said "I love you" to a girl <laughs> in an inopportune moment? <laughs> you know, like that. That's that's all <laughs> yep. it is. He's just a little bit intoxicated um, at the time. This LSU team is fantastic, but this LSU team beat Auburn by three. Uh, Oregon's Oregon, just their regular team, screwed themselves out of an opportunity to beat Auburn at the beginning of the year. This LSU team beat a five-loss Texas by one touchdown. You know, this LSU team had an absolutely fantastic 
fantastic set of athletes. Uh, the defense was not as good as it's been in recent years. It's just, the, that's all it is. It's just an overreaction. I mean, um, so my question to you is this, because yes, an all-star team from the Pac-12 could absolutely beat LSU. An all-star team from most, if you took if you took a group of five all-star team, just the best players from the group of five and put them against LSU, that's a team that could probably compete and maybe win, right? So it's not, let's not do this. This is stupid. But what I do want to know is how some of the Pac-12 schools would have fared against LSU. So if you, uh, we, we'll run through them and, and see if if you think it would have even been competitive in the slightest. So let's start out with, uh, with University of Arizona. So... Arizona, they would have had to, they would have probably fired Ed Ogeron for how the score went. <laughs> that would have been, dude, they would have been, it would have been like a high school game where they said, oh, he ran up the score. He's mean. He's terrible. He did all these horrible things and, and he deserves to be fired for would doing it have that. Been, can, so, can you answer me this though? Would it have been competitive at least for a quarter or two if you had 2017 Khalil Tate? out there with the 2019 University of Arizona rest of the team because, you know, he has made mm. the decision not to run. And Trevor Lawrence had most of his success um, really picking up yards and opening up the offense as a as a runner, really. Like, that seemed to be yeah. a weakness for LSU's defense. So I almost wonder if Khalil Tate just sort of said, like, screw it. Uh, you know, I don't care about getting hurt. I'm, I don't care about the contact. I'm going to go out there and do me. Um, or do what I can do uh, if if at least for – because University of Arizona is not stopping anyone. Joe Burrow probably would have thrown for seven touchdowns in the first half, but could Khalil Tate have at least put some points on the board offensively? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would give him if, – if it were 17, Tate – okay, let, let's say provided that, that LSU gets a lot of stops, there would be a lot of possessions. Let's say that there's – LSU got the ball 15 times. The last one, they'd be taking a knee. And then right before halftime, they would probably take a knee as well if they didn't didn't score. Then that's 13 possessions, seven points of possession. That's 91. So I'm going to go 91 to 10. 91 to 10. <laughs> uh, I'm being right. dead ass serious. Okay, what about, what about Arizona State? Like, I don't think in any way this game would be competitive even for a minute young offensive line young quarterback um i think that asu's got some talent on on defense but i don't think they've seen anything like this lsu offense um i'm thinking the dogs get called off mid third quarter uh you know i i it, it would be a rough one. Oh yeah see see arizona state has a problem that can't be resolved in the situation is that is that LSU's pass rush is amazing. They have they have a top 15 pick rushing the passer. So that's already going to be tough for their young tackles. And I saw what Utah did to Arizona State. So See, and Arizona State is not a high-powered offense. They don't score a ton no, of points. No, they're ball control. So, yeah. So, they would – and I just don't see how they could have – but they would have – but they would take more time off the clock than Arizona did, who's going to throw throw the ball, it's going to hit the ground. They're, so, instead of 15 possessions, I'm going to give 14 possessions plus four stops. So, I'm going to give you – I'm going to go 70 to 12. Yikes. Okay. And and the reason and the only reason why, and, and and that 12 came off of four field goals. So what about uh all right, what about Cal? They got the they got the secondary, they got Evan Weaver. Um we'll assume a healthy Chase Garbers. <laughs> yeah. Pat Cal, okay, so Cal Cal's pass rush is not good. Their secondary is really good, which which hurt them this year because their pass rush is really good, but then their secondary is not good. I'm sorry, their secondary is good, but their pass rush wasn't very good. Uh, they had trouble stopping the run. 
I think that they would put up some coverages that confused Joe Burrow for a second. He would extend plays, but they wouldn't quite put up as many points. So I'm going to go, but then Cal would have grave difficulty scoring. I'm going to go 56 to 6. This is a bloodbath so far. All right, let's. Which is an improvement though, right? All right. Uh. Let's let's say good Steven Montez shows up. Uh LaVisca's healthy. What does Colorado do against this team? Dude, Colorado gave up 30 plus points, what like two like 12 games in a row dating back to the previous season. Uh, it's, it has not been good. I will <laughs> I can yeah, verify. So if you're giving up if you're giving up 30 points a game to everybody, no matter how good the, the offense is, guess what LSU is going to do to you? I, dude, <laughs> except for at least, at least the thing that Colorado has going for them is if you get good Steven Montez, they have a wide receiver in LaVishka Chenault who can make some plays. And 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 he would get one-on-one situations and make some big plays. So I'm going to give Colorado 17 points. And That's I'm the going most to so give far, right? and yeah, yeah, because their offense is the is the best. And they have a playmaker who can challenge uh, who could actually catch a ball against um catch a ball against uh uh, against Stingley? uh junior <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah against stingley jr so i mean and and mind you i you could too but the problem is is that Jalen is that Jalen wouldn't have enough time to get the ball to right. him so that's why asu only got 12, i do 12 i do appreciate the four probably, field goals <laughs> that it would be four yeah. field goals i or or maybe a safety because uh the the way that clemson um was playing oh, from inside yep. their own five was pretty wild. I think how many occasions I think I counted three times Joe Burrow ran a play from inside his own end zone. Yeah. I mean, and then think about it too. Clemson scored having the ball on like the two yard line with no problem in like five plays. So so there are big plays to be to be had. I give Colorado 17 points, but in their scoring 17 points, they would eat up some of the clock in scoring points. So I'm going to give them another. Uh, I'm going to give go 63 to 17. Oh my goodness. Okay. For All Colorado. Right. Uh- Dude, this offense is unstoppable. This is one of the greatest offenses of all time. And yeah, I agree. Tough. All right. So let's go ahead and let's, let's talk about Oregon then because uh, Oregon obviously played Auburn tough, uh, did not win the game. Uh, and then, yeah, they led by everything. They led the entire game except for nine. And seconds. then Auburn maybe, and maybe you could throw, um, Florida in there as well. Probably played Joe Burrow as well as anyone this year. I think that the, the, the LSU Auburn game was only 23 to 20, if I'm not mistaken. And so, yeah, it was super Yeah, tight. so how, how would Oregon do? I would say Oregon would do itself some favors early. And, oh, oh is this, my, my only question is, is this Oregon that showed up against Arizona State? Or is this Oregon that showed up against Utah? Well, see, I don't know because it, you you just have to you <laughs> you have to take it for like wh- whatever the mean is because, um, yeah, because okay. you you what Arizona State beat like five ranked teams and lost to a bunch of teams that didn't go to a bowl, so you 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 never it with yeah. any team, and then so, Cal, you know, Garbers versus no Garbers is is just complete worlds different. You know, if you talk about 2019 Cal, you have to talk about 2019 Cal as much with Garbers as without. Yeah, true. So Oregon, I would say, I would be concerned about them scoring the football as much, but, but 
uh, LSU's offense is uh, defense is leaky sometimes, and especially against the run at times. So I would say I would say this would be a ultimately at the end of the game when it when um, when it kind of started to get out of out of hand. Because I, I would say that this would be a ten point game at halftime, probably. I think they would end up winning by 24. So I'm going to go 51-27. Oh, wow. See, I, I I don't know if it would be that big of a gap. I mean, I look at the LSU-Florida game, and I kind of put Oregon on par with Florida a little bit. I know that the people yeah. in your mentions would love to you know, hear you say something like that. That's, you, your 2019 was just Florida fans in your mentions. Um, yeah, it was. but I, I, I look at that Florida LSU game and, you know, it was a seven point game going into the fourth quarter and then Florida couldn't do anything offensively. And LSU just delivered the dagger with about five minutes left for a 14 point win. I feel like it maybe be somewhere in that range. What if they played 10 times? Do you think Oregon gets one of them? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Only because their secondary has been so good at forcing turnovers that that they would have gotten, you know, a pick or two maybe that they would have found a way to confuse or whatever. Because uh, you notice n- nobody really just housed them in terms of putting up a ton of points. So I would say, actually, I'll back off of that a little bit. You have convinced me. I will go, actually, Ralph, I will go 48. I'll go 48-27. I like that. All right. Yes, it's a 21 point. How long does Oregon State hang before the dam breaks? Because I feel like this is the one team. You got a super accurate quarterback, experienced offensive line, more than one wide receiver that has the ability to make plays, even though I don't know how much – Champ Fleming's is is no. getting in against no, LSU. Ralph, Derek Ralph. Stingley against uh, uh, Champ. What do you think about that? Like a six foot three Jack Ralph, DB the, against a five foot five wide receiver. Ralph, the thing that you're m- missing is is that yes, Oregon State's <laughs> wide receivers did a good job. However, against Washington and against Oregon, they did nothing. Ineffective. They might as well have not even been on the field. So. <laughs> They could not get open. It was very, very difficult. Couldn't get open against Utah either. Just wiped out. So, and and LSU's DBs are better. Pass pass rush is better. I think Oregon State might get blanked. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I think they get blanked in the game because I mean against Washington, they didn't even score except on defense. Yeah, did they have everybody? They have so, both running backs for that. I can't remember. It's okay. Yep. Yeah. That's bad. Yep. Then. They had Jeff, Je- Jefferson <laughs> and. Um, all right. I, d- I definitely. It's it's and, possible uh, I gave um, him too much credit. Yeah. Uh, all right. What does so that bring us I'm to? Is that Stanford go for Oregon State because they wouldn't be able to move the ball very much. LSU would have the ball a ton. Did I lose you, George? I am going seventy to zero. Yes, Ralph, you heard me. Seventy to zero for Oregon State. I just don't see how they could score any points against LSU. There, I mean, they got stifled by Oregon, Washington, and Oregon, Washington, and Utah. Just absolutely just shut out. And yeah, I, I just don't know how they would score because the things that the things that. LSU's defense does really, really well play to the strengths of Oregon State. I'm sorry, play to the weaknesses of Oregon State. So this is one of those styles make fights thing. That's why a score of a game is not always indicative of necessarily the the greatness of a team. Sometimes certain weaknesses match up with another team's strengths better. So that's why Oregon State's 70 to 0. Yeah, I mean, but actually, no, 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 no. I'm gonna go 63 because Oregon State <laughs> would run, run, run the football a lot and take some time off the clock. I don't know. I do. I do think that they would score. 
And the reason that I think that they would score is um, both Texas and Oregon State uh, dropped 36 against Oklahoma State. And I think Texas put up that amount of points against LSU. So I do, I do it's transitive property stuff, but I do think they get some points. <laughs> it would be a bloodbath. You're right about that. Which brings me to Stanford. And this is a tricky one for me because who even is 2019 Stanford? Who's the quarterback? Like, who would you say the main quarterback of the 2019 Stanford Cardinal was? That's a good question. Or was it Davis Mills? Was it Davis Mills? Yeah. Or was it KJ Costello? Right. So I, I think either way they get wrecked. But I guess yeah. you got to give two scores. It, oh, okay, and we're going to go optimal 2019 Stanford, okay? okay? Uh, they have Paulson Adebo at corner, who is a shutdown corner, fantastic player. So you have them, Stanford scores, couple couple touchdowns. They they are just chewing the clock, though. I mean, this is it is just hard to... But this game is not even close. I'm going to go... 51 to 14. No, because David Shaw is a big field goal kicker. I'm going to go um, 51 to 16. Okay. 51 16. That, that's amazingly, that's one of the closer scores that we've, <laughs> that we've had so far. Um, what about, let's go with, let's just do Washington. Oh, dude, I, sur- surprisingly, I think that Washington would comport themselves offensively better than most people would because Washington shift motion, mo- just they take all damn day when they have the ball and they have some explosive Running backs, they would. They have a good offensive line. They would get some first downs. Jacob Eason is good enough to, to complete some passes, pro- provided we got good Jacob Eason. Like, and he's not taking eighteen yard sacks. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to say that Washington keeps the score pretty low. Actually, I'm going to go with forty nine. 49 to 20. Yeah, I'm going to go 49-20. All right. What about uh, what are Mike Leach's Washington State Cougars? Uh, obviously, they move the ball on almost everyone. LSU is a team that you can move the ball on. And with those quick passes, yep. it kind of neutralizes LSU's D-line, which was probably the strength of that defense. Uh, but those linebackers and defensive backs will be laying some big hits on the on, on the receivers. Um, where, where do you well, put this score at? The, okay, I'm putting this score provided that LSU plays against no air raid teams. They play predominantly man coverage, which is awful against the air raid. No matter how great your DBs are, to play that every play is just, it doesn't work. Because there's so many pick routes, crossing routes, all that stuff. And... Mike Leach's offense would do really well in the first half and then get stymied in the second half once once they figure it out. But they would make it tough on them. This is the first year that they play them. Uh, Like the same thing is going to happen against Mississippi State playing against LSU next year. Um, Washington State can't stop a nosebleed. So they're going to get 70 points put up on them. But they're going to score 38. 38, that's good. That's that's the most so far, right? Yeah, they still lose by 32 <laughs> points. <laughs> but but I, I just think that, that their offense is tricky. And if you haven't played against it a bunch of times and LSU predominantly plays only man coverage, they would give up a lot of big plays and and a lot of just nickel dime, all of that stuff. And Bor- Borgie would have 15 catches for 180 yards and and a touchdown. All right. Well, let's uh, let's go with, um, I mean, similar offense. Upgrade the talent a little bit. 
how would USC do against this LSU team? I, I think this might be an okay game for a minute. Wow. You know, th- this is with Keaton Slovis at quarterback, yeah. the team at full strength. Yep. Um, you can leave the running backs on the bus, though, since they don't run the ball. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give, and USC does have some players. They would make some plays. Um, their secondary would get absolutely just torched because yeah, they because they don't get interceptions. They, um, I would say what what's the most points that USC gave up this season? The most that they gave up all year. Let's see. Um, well, Iowa got them for forty nine. Oh, oh, against Oregon, they gave up what fifty six, and that was the wheels 50. really came off. Like there was a was a yeah. defensive touchdown, right? Or the kickoff yep. return touchdown? Yeah, a, ki- a kickoff and a defensive score. Yeah, for the most part, USC actually did a pretty decent job of holding most of their opponents below uh, thirty. Notre Dame had exactly thirty. Colorado had thirty-one. Um, but yeah, Oregon Oregon blew the doors off them at the Coliseum, and then obviously we all saw what happened with uh, um, we all saw what happened with Iowa in the uh, Holiday Bowl. That was see, that's what's weird to me is this, right? Is that I would have thought that USC would have been able to score more points, right? Yeah. My 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 do Iowa's defense is fantastic and and completely underrated iowa's defense is better than lsu and it was really a matt fink issue though i mean matt fink came in and they stopped being able to move the ball yep so i'm gonna go 63 to 38 wow joe burrow's breaking his own record right now (laughs) playing against (laughs) competition this is bad uh all right dude i mean but actually actually no no this this is their defense i'm going 63 41 okay uh does ucla come out and lay an egg or are they competitive because there were a couple of games where they were pretty competitive against probably better uh competition yeah ralph no no you you saw what happened UCLA versus Oklahoma, right? Yes, yes. And yeah. then what did they do the yeah. next week? What did they do seven days later? Against who? Against San Diego no, State? No, against Washington State. Against Washington State. Seven days later, they went from scoring 14 points to 67. Correct. But that was, a, I mean, and truthfully, they were shut down in the first half against Washington State. And it took a bunch of turnovers and just wild play. So the answer to this question is UCLA has nearly a, as bad a pass defense as, and, and the only reason why Colorado only would hold them to 63 points is because Colorado would actually score points too. So I'm actually going to give them the same score as Colorado, 63 to 17. Yeah, so Ralph, 63 to 17, it, 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 that feels about appropriate for UCLA. I mean, they, they tried to do it a couple of times this year. They <laughs> they had a couple of really bad losses. Do you think this would be a game Actually, where, actually I want to uh, go 70. Yeah, I'm going to go 70 to 17. That feels even more <laughs> appropriate. Do you think Dorian Thompson Robinson has one of those games where he absolutely embarrasses himself like he did at Utah? Or do you think he flashes some, some decent... Uh, stuff like um, he did in some other games against good defenses. He has not flashed anything really this season. He didn't flash. He had some terrible mistakes against um, against Cincinnati. Didn't play great against San Diego State, Oklahoma. He had a couple moments, but then didn't look great as well. Did, I mean, like against good defenses, he's not had really good performances so it's hard for me to think that lsu speed which would you know kind of negate some of his running a little bit would uh would yeah i just don't see that as being a huge factor all right and this is where i'm excited to to wind this up (laughs) is because there were a few times during the season where i noticed whether it was Utah fans or uh, some other people mentioned that 
Utah probably would match up with LSU better than Oklahoma did. We might have even said it on this podcast. I I, I don't want to get too into receipts <laughs> because obviously the way that Utah finished the season was pretty embarrassing. But I, where where are we at here? Have any minds changed? You we're we're talking Utah at their absolute best. So bringing their A game, and you saw LSU's A game last night, like that. Yeah, but what was their best though? What what was Utah's best? Because they didn't play against any good non conference competition, and then when they ran against the top pack. 12 team they got destroyed and then they got housed by texas what what were they really is the question you're talking about lsu blowing out every single one of these pac-12 teams oregon included and for a minute there that's exactly what utah well, was doing so see, like, the uh, oregon game a three touchdown win over washington state uh, we're talking about a 45-point win at Oregon State. We're talking about not allowing Arizona State to even, what, cross the 50-yard line. Um, they shut out Cal. Oh, that's they a good point. beat yep. Washington in Seattle. They they beat Utah 49-3, to and they beat Arizona in Tucson 35-7. to And then Colorado, they beat by 30. So it's... You know, this is this was a team that for a minute there we were talking about one of the great defenses in Pac-12 history, and it all completely evaporates and gets lost because of how they of how they ended the the season. They they absolutely embarrassed themselves against Oregon, and then they played with no heart against Texas. So, you know, obviously LSU and Texas went head to head, and we saw what happened there. Texas basically put up the same amount of points against. Um, Utah as they did LSU did so if Utah's defense shows up what can they do if their defense shows up they're still not going to be able to shut down LSU which is which I I think that Clemson's defense is good because they're well, very well coached and because Clemson I'm sorry LSU puts such stress on your secondary and and Utah's problem would be this. If Utah could keep them, could keep LSU from scoring, this game would be very low scoring com- comparatively. Um, but I, I just, uh, the problem that Utah runs into is when they have to pass the football, when they get in must throw situations. And that's where they would be against LSU because they can't. The, Tyler Huntley's not a great passer when he has to throw the football. He's good off of play action, off of you know boots, rollouts, run pass option stuff, and and they would have to score too many points. They would get in this situation like they got against Oregon, must throw, must throw, and then they must lose. So. They would probably start out, you know, m- much like Clemson did, getting stops, you know, all of that. And then the train would just just get to rolling and they couldn't get it stopped. Um, so I'm going to go. But they would get some stops like they I, I would say they would hold them to three field goals, probably. And three field goals and seven. Touchdowns. Good Lord. It, it's hard to <laughs> hold them. Un- no, no, no. No, 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 not seven touchdowns. I'll give them five touchdowns, three field goals. So that's okay. Okay, I mean that's that's more than they gave up to anyone else. Utah's such a it's it's such a unique thing because they gave up seventy eight points in their final eight games total in the in Pac twelve play. Seventy eight points in eight games after losing at USC. They they gave up like an average of nine points a game. Then they gave up seventy six or seventy five or seventy six points just in the Pac twelve championship and their bowl game alone. And obviously, if Utah's offense isn't working, it affects what the defense then has to carry. And so this whole thing is dependent on whether or not Utah would be able to move the ball on LSU. I think they would be able to move the ball 
on on LSU. If they're playing their absolute best, I think they could. Um, and I think that that would close that gap a little bit. But 44 points seems fair if we're talking about LSU at their absolute best. Yeah, I'm going to go 44 to 20. Okay. Because they would get something with Zach Moss. And just, you know what I mean? Like, they would hit hit some stuff, hit some stuff yeah. late. Yeah. Well, That's so, <laughs> yeah. So, it, Joe Burrow threw 60 touchdown passes this season. If LSU was in the Pac-12, so they would go to the Pac-12 championship, but they would have that one extra conference game, but you've already said they'd run through everybody, so it doesn't matter. So, they get that one extra Pac-12 game. Uh and let's keep Texas on their schedule. Let's throw out like maybe Georgia Southern or something like that. So they just have their Utah state, like any other PAC 12 team always plays a mountain West team and they got their Northwestern state. So they got their uh, FCS squad. Um, and then you have them go to a national championship or college football playoff. They play 15 games, just like they played Joey Burrow through <laughs> through 60 touchdowns this year, playing sec competition. What does he do if you put him in the Pac-12 with all of the games that you just mentioned and then in the college football playoff? Does he have over 60? No, no. He has about 60. Same dude. So you think it'd be the same? Listen, okay. listen to his touchdowns this year. 5, 4, 2, 6, 5, 3, 4, 1, 3, 5, 3, 3, 4, 7, 5. They have, who, who'd, the one, who, who'd the one come against? Auburn. Dude, they gave up like, and, and actually, with, with 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 that in mind, I do. It is somebody's always going to play some tight games, so I actually am going to amend the Oregon score. I'm going to go forty five <laughs> for the second. I'm going to I'm going to go forty five thirty there, and okay. and against and the USC game would would just be a shootout, but it wouldn't necessarily be clutch. Even though that they only win by twenty two, it would be you know like if if we don't keep keep scoring, we're gonna lose. One of one of those games, like it's not just a pure blowout. It's one of those. Yeah, we're up by seventeen right now. However, we must keep scoring because we can't stop them either. But you have so you have the minimum points scored, the absolute bare minimum points scored for LSU if they played a Pac-12 schedule this year with their current team, you have them at 44. Yes. Okay, so do you realize that Oregon only scored 44 plus th- four times? Yeah, I do that. I mean, or, and, Oregon, and Oregon's offense wasn't that great this so year. Oregon... Oregon only Oregon only scored 44 or more points three different times and that was at USC uh that was um at home against Colorado in a 45 to 3 win and then the 77 to 6 win over Nevada. Do you realize that LSU only got held under 40 points? Under I'm sorry, under 42 points. Twice this season. Good Lord. That was against LSU when they, I'm sorry, that was against Mississippi State. They, they only scored 36. Um, and because they had a couple players get hurt in that game. And then, L, and then they took them out. And they had, and they only scored 23 versus Auburn. Every other game against Alabama, they scored 46 points. Against Ole Miss, 58. Against Texas A&M, they beat Texas A&M 50 to 7. Oh no no I'm sorry and then they and then in the SEC championship game they only scored 37 points sorry they hit 37 to 10 they beat Georgia dude this we're this is a historically great team so so yes they would have destroyed everybody in the Pac-12 just like they destroyed everybody in the SEC this isn't a, a Pac-12 indictment this is just a this just is what it is okay. All right. Well, this has been fun. I'm looking forward to next week. We're keeping uh, this week's show short so we can just keep bringing people content in the offseason. But I'm looking forward to next week's show when we get into Washington State's hire of Nick Rolovich and Mike Leach moving on 
to Mississippi State. Before we duck out for the week, do you have any just your initial feel about the Mike Leach moving on and, and the hire? Washington State, I think, gets better for it because Rolovich is coming from Hawaii. Same type of explosive offense, except for he's got more than nine plays. And, and as effective as Mike Leach was, I think Rolo, Rolovich takes the offense to the next level. And so I like it. But but before I left, too, well, actually, what what's your initial thought on that? I think that Washington State went from one coach who can't beat Washington to another coach who can't beat Washington. <laughs> but I, I do like Nick Rolovich. He, uh, as you know, I'm a Wyoming fan, and he stole uh, 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 an amazing recruit away from University of Wyoming uh, right before signing day uh, named Day Day Hunter, <laughs> who's now out in Hawaii, you know, wondering who his next head coach is going to be. Um, but yeah, it definitely, it, it'll be interesting to see. Cause I think Hawaii still stays playing, uh, PAC 12 teams. I think they visit university of Arizona next season. They I think play I Oregon to to too. That game. Oh yeah. So then they got, they got more than one game. I guess they kind of have to, um, based on kind of where they're at and where they have to travel to or whatever. But, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I really like Nick Rolovich. I like the energy that his team played with. I watched, I think you kind of had to if you're a Pac-12 football fan. I watched Hawaii play on multiple occasions this year. They had a quarterback declare early who also got benched um, several different times during the year, kind of just depending on you know whether uh, Rolovich thought that, that he was playing well enough or not. So uh, he's walking into a situation where Washington State has like seven quarterbacks on scholarship. That should be really interesting to see how he handles that situation. And as far as Mike Leach going to the SEC, I mean, I hope the SEC enjoys all that is Mike Leach. I know that media members love that he's an odd duck. Um, I get the appeal of having better athletes and a better recruiting base to draw from. And, uh, I, you know, I wish him, wish him the absolute best. I, if you think about it, there's not very many people out there who are actually running the air raid. Um, you know, USC's dabbling in it now. Um, just feels like LSU's dabbling in it a little bit now. Uh, but the one school that that does it with probably the best available athletes is Oklahoma. And so I think Mike Leach looks at Lincoln Riley and he's like, why not me? Um, they're going to give him $5 million a year to do it. Uh, you know, he's not somebody who I am fully appreciative of uh, all the time, but, you know, he's a good football coach. So I think that they'll be a little bit better off, but I think he'll run into a lot of the same issues he, he had um, at Washington State, being that you know Mississippi State is like tenth in spending on their football pro, no, twelfth out of the fourteen teams in the SEC. So if they're going to up the resources for him, then he might have some success. But I don't know if I see him winning the conference or anything like that. No, no, absolutely not, dude. Uh, I'm trying to be diplomatic. <laughs> yeah. We'll get more into it next week, though. Yeah. And the the uh, last thing b- before we jump out is I wanted to um, ask you about the Pac-12 referees in the national championship game. <laughs> because my initial thought was the they were letting so much contact go and in, in I thought they were trying to show off in front of everybody. Oh, see, look. Ah, uh, they say we call pass interference soft. We're not doing that. I mean, they gave a. I mean, they let them just mug people in the first half, and I was like, if they let this go in the Pac-12, the Pac-12 will be better off for it. And it set all these ridiculous pass interference calls, and then in the second half, they regressed back to the mean. They they missed a well, actually, right before halftime, or is it right after halftime? They missed a, a um the uh uh. Oh, the LSU running back putting his hand down out of bounds. Then yeah, they had they a bad pass interference call, uh, offensive pass interference call. It was just stuff. Yeah, I would I would say I'll say this. Uh Pac-12 officials are not very good comparatively. We know this. Um I think that they were set up to fail and I think considering the fact that they were set up to fail in that these are two offenses that really just like to put air under the ball. And, and I mean, with no regard for 
you know, who's out there on the defensive side of the ball. They're just going to air it out and let their playmakers try to make plays. Um, you know, I think that considering that, that it was going to be a super difficult situation to officiate anyway, I think they started off doing a pretty good job. I think that the hand down out of bounds is a wash when you put it with the fact that they did nail that one incomplete pass that ended up getting reviewed and verifying, you know, with when the crew was like, oh, no, he caught it. But the ball had skipped up off the ground after it was tipped in the air. So I think that that was sort of a wash. And then the game ends with the crew screws. <laughs> and this is this is not a unanimous opinion, but I do feel like it's the popular opinion that they absolutely screwed over Clemson at the end of that game uh, by calling offensive pass interference on a late touchdown. Um, I don't think it would have made the difference. It may, it, it may have, it would have got it w- yeah. within 10 points. Yeah. So that was uh that was complete garbage. That call, that was one that you, you, it would be fine with me if they, if they did not throw a flag at all, it's absolutely absurd that either one of those players who they were locked in a, in an arm grip and one might've pushed off, but the other didn't let go. The other didn't let the push happen. So he pulled the, he pulled the receiver. And so I I think that when you have two players that are completely engaged in contact with each other, um, that's something that you just got to either let go or understand that, the offense is the one that's trying to move the ball down the field. So if they're locked up, then that means the defensive back made a choice to be locked up, which means that that penalty has to go against the defense. But I don't think there should have been a penalty there at all. And that was, that was a huge mistake um, on a national stage. And I think that uh, people got probably a little bit of a taste of what goes on for us on a day in day out basis. But my favorite thing was, that call in particular brought out all the Pac-12 players um, <laughs> who were making comments about the officiating. I saw that Cam Bennett, former uh, offensive lineman for Cal, uh, he said something. Solomon Enos just tweeted, uh, uh, wide receiver for Utah, tweeted Conference of Champions. Um, and uh, and Eno Benjamin uh, not only tweeted, why would they let Pac-12 refs re- uh, officiate this game? He tweeted a video of him getting flagged for trying to hand the ball back to the ref against UCLA. But the ref wasn't paying attention, so the ball bounced off his stomach and he got hit with a personal foul. So uh, it was it was pretty funny to watch the players have the opportunity to kind of roast the officials last night. Dude, that was so bad. Like, uh... I, I'm. I just looked it and know Benjamin's Twitter, and he he's tossing the ball back to the ref, and then the ref, and, and it and it's the white hat. It, it's not just like one of the side judges, umpire. I mean, or the back judges. He's tossing the ball to him, and he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." Yeah, so it, I don't know. I, 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 that was the thing I enjoyed most was that the players, once like five or six players started to roast the the refs, it was like, oh well, they can't really get in trouble if everybody's doing it. So you're just seeing all these Pac-12 players sitting at home Dude, watching the this national thread is just funny. The officials. This thread is funny because somebody else posted a, a video. I mean, a picture, a steal. I was like, this has to be photoshopped. Like this has to be photoshopped. It's three guys standing and they're and they're pointing two different directions. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's got to be Photoshop, right? I don't know. I, I if you uh, there's there's so many accounts out there, just the Pac-12 accounts that um, that always have fresh material about the refs every single time something like this happens. But that that was fun because most of my timeline is Pac-12 related. So when that happened, it was just like a giant Pac-12 party on the timeline of, of like, hey, we are actually part of the college football playoffs. <laughs> We're like, making an impact. Exactly. And so, I mean, it was the wrong call, but I think uh, I do think that I'm, I'm with you in that up to a certain point, they were doing a good job. And I would even give them more credit than just doing a good job, because I just think that this these two teams together, you were just going to have a bunch of 50 50 stuff. You were going to have a bunch of judgment calls. And I and and I I just didn't think that this was the right crew to be put in that 
position. Um, but you know, I, I they did they did okay up to a point. I don't think it it definitely affected the outcome. I don't think it affected the eventual like result. If that makes sense. Thank you guys again for listening to the Pac-12 Apostles, man. We appreciate your time, appreciate your energy. Had some technical difficulties today, had to cut the podcast a little bit short, but we will be back next week. Podcast will drop on Monday night, early Tuesday morning. Be there or be square. Make sure you guys share the feed, tell a friend about the Pac-12 Apostles. Peace out.